study there in just a few minutes, Galatians chapter 5. It is great to see everybody here today on the first day of the week as we are continuing to worship our Father in heaven. Thank you for being here. We have friends, we have family members uh, from a variety of places. It's good to see you guys all here today. And we hope and pray that you'll come back and be with us tonight at 5 p.m. We are beginning our series of uh, answering Bible questions that people have in the month of September. And so tonight at 5 p.m., we'll come back together as a family and we'll worship and we'll begin talking about questions pertaining to the problem of suffering. Now, here at the West Main Congregation, uh, our theme for this year is called Becoming More Like Christ. And so, as you know, every first Sunday of the month, we introduce a new virtue. And so this month, we are talking about the, the fruit of the Spirit, which is self-control. Now, this will be the only lesson dealing with this because the rest of our time, we will be focusing on the Bible questions that people have answered. And yet, this is something, self-control is something that is really powerful that all of us need to think about. There's a phrase that I really enjoy and really like to hear and, and really consider and try to motivate myself with. It is the phrase, control what you can control. Have you heard that before? I don't know where I first heard it. I don't know who maybe coined that, uh, that phrase, but I love that thought. Control what you can control. It's a powerful statement, and when truly embraced, it will change a person's perspective, and I think will change our lives for the better. When you really think about it, we can't really control that much. I can't control any of you here in this auditorium. Hopefully, I can influence you for good and to direct you in the right direction, but ultimately, I cannot control what you may or may not do. I can't, and neither can you, control the weather. We may want to, but we cannot control the weather. We certainly can't control the people that drive next to us on the highway. Again, we really want to do that, but no matter how much we may honk on the horn, we still can't control them, okay? We can't control our neighbors, and the truth of the matter is we have very little control with, with, with respect to what we can get people to do or not to do. We could go on and on, yet if not careful, we can easily lose focus on all the people and things that we cannot truly control while neglecting the one that we can control ourselves. We got to control what we can control. And the fruit of the spirit is self-control. In Galatians and throughout the scriptures, we are told that we are to be led by the spirit, filled with the spirit, walk according to the spirit. And when we properly understand that, it's the idea of being under the control or influence of the Holy Spirit. And when we do this, we will then bear the fruit of the Spirit. We will be leading lives filled with self-control. Self-control is something that is needed by many, including myself, in a variety of areas. And there's a passage I want to share with you. I'll put it up on the screen here. Proverbs chapter 25 and verse number 28, which I think is a, a power text, it says something about self-control that I want you to consider. The proverb writer said, like a city that is broken into and without walls is a man who has no control over his spirit. Do you agree with that? I agree with that. If we don't have control in our lives, we're going to be like a city without walls. And a city without walls during that time certainly would be vulnerable to attacks and eventually to capture. A man or a woman who does not have control over their spirit is vulnerable 
to the attacks of the devil. And quite frankly, we will not be able to make it. Self-control in Galatians chapter 5, I ask you to turn here. In Galatians chapter 5, look at verse 22 and 23. We've been talking about these, these virtues all year, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And really all of these, the fruit of the Spirit here, work hand in hand. We don't just you know try to do one of these. All of these should be working uh, in conjunction with one another. And so I want to share with you just real quickly here, definition of the idea of self-control and what this idea means when we talk about self-control here. All right, here it is. It's coming up here. So when we think about self-control, number one, it's the idea of one holding himself in. That's a good definition when we talk about self-control. The virtue of one who masters his desires and passion, especially his sensual appetites. That's another good definition of self-control. It is the idea of strength. And that's what we need to think about when we think about self-control. As I was preparing this lesson and these thoughts, I thought about Samson. Samson was a man of great power, wasn't he? He had great physical strength, but Samson did not really have great self-control. What defeated Samson was not the fact that he was not strong physically, but he had no control essentially over those sensual appetites. He was a strong man, yet essentially he was a weak man because he didn't have self-control when it came to women. In Proverbs chapter 16 and verse number 32, turn over there real quickly. In Proverbs 16 and verse number 32, there's a powerful text here about self-control. Proverbs 16 and verse 32, the Bible says, He who is slow to anger is better than the mighty. And he who rules his spirit than he who captures a city. Samson had many great victories in his life, but he lacked self-control in some of the most important areas of his life. And so while many may have viewed him as being strong, I think we can also say that he was very weak. And what's interesting about that is that while many may have viewed Jesus as being weak because of his gentleness and because of his kindness and because of his compassion, Jesus was really the strong man. He was the one that had great strength because he lived a life of self-control. He possessed self-control never seen before. And our goal is to learn more from him and to become more like our Savior in 2018. And as we've mentioned, this does not end December 31st. We continue to become more and more like Christ every single day. And so what I want to talk about for a few minutes, I want to look at some examples of Jesus and how he demonstrated self-control and what he was able to do and how we can follow in its footsteps and how we can be successful as we strive to bear the fruit of the spirit. So let's talk a little bit about this idea, control what you can control. It's amazing when you study the gospels that Jesus, he lived a life of self-control. It's a powerful example for us just to really think about all the things that he did and the way that he controlled his life, no matter what situation he found himself in. I'm going to be giving you some passages here from the gospel of Luke. If you want to turn over to Luke chapter two, and I just want to share with you a couple of examples in the life how in every period of his life, he demonstrated self-control. The first is in Luke chapter 2 and in verse number 49 and verse number 50, 49 through 51. If you remember, Jesus and his parents went to Jerusalem 
and Jesus was left behind or he stayed behind and he was talking to uh, the men in the temple. He was listening and he was asking questions and Mary and Joseph got about three days away and they finally recognized that they didn't have their son Jesus with them and so they went back. And what's interesting here is the response of Jesus and just how he handled himself even at the age of 12. In verse number 49, he said to them, why is it that you were looking for me? Did you not know that I had to be in my father's house? But they did not understand the statement which he had made to them. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and he continued in subjection to them. And his mother treasured all these things in her heart. Even at a young age, Jesus practiced self-control. We can look at children today and how they often lose control with the things that they say or how they respond to their parents. But even at the young age of 12, Jesus recognized his mission and who he was and what he was going to do. And he practiced self-control in that relationship. Throughout his ministry, Jesus demonstrated self-control. I'm turning over to Luke chapter four. In Luke chapter four, when Jesus was tempted in the wilderness, if you recall this, in Luke chapter 4, beginning in verse number 1, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from Jordan and was led around by the Spirit in the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by the devil, and he ate nothing during those days. And when they had ended, he became hungry. You talk about self-control. Jesus was focused on doing the will of the Father and, and doing what it was that he came to do. And the devil said to him, if you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become bread. And Jesus answered him, it is written, man should not live on bread alone. And we start to see how he was able to, to have this self-control by relying on the father and remembering the word of God. And verse five, he led him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, I will give you all this domain and its glory for it has been handed over to me and I will give it to whomever I wish. Therefore, if you worship before me, it shall be yours. Jesus answered him, it is written, you shall worship the Lord, your God and serve him only. You see, his focus was on God. His motivation was on doing the will of God. He remembered the words of God and he was able throughout even 40 days in the wilderness to demonstrate self-control. Later on in Luke chapter four, as Jesus was teaching in the synagogue in verse number 22, the Bible says, all were speaking well of him and wondering at the gracious words which were falling from his lips. And they were saying, is not this Joseph's son? And he said to them, no doubt you will quote this proverb to me, physician, heal yourself. Whatever we heard was done at Capernaum, do here in your hometown as well. It's an interesting event that took place. The people were amazed at the teaching of Jesus as he was teaching them and reading from the book of Isaiah. They're praising him, but in a short amount of time, they're going to, they're going to essentially try to kill Jesus. And verse number 28 all the people in the synagogue were filled with rage as they heard these things. And they got up and drove him out of the city and led him to the brow of the hill on which their city had been built in order to throw him down the cliff. Now think about it, guys. We lose self-control on the highway when somebody cuts us off. When somebody's going too slow. When someone does something that we just don't like, we can easily lose self-control. And yet these people were trying to kill Jesus. And yet through it all, he maintained discipline. He maintained control. He had control over himself. He had control over his emotions. In every area of his life, Jesus demonstrated self-control. And I got to tell you, when I look at the last days of the life of Jesus, I think those are really powerful. Every day, obviously, was powerful because we're talking about Jesus. But I, I want you just to think about the last moments of his life. When the pressure was truly on like never before, 
and everything was at stake. And the devil was coming after him and using a variety of people to try to get to him. And yet in everything, he maintained discipline. There are some men that we can read about in the Bible who were powerful, who came from great lineages and who had great blessings. And yet they still were not able to practice the control that God wanted them to have, the discipline to do the will of God. I think about Moses and how Moses, he, he fumbled near the end of his life and he lost control when the Lord told him what to do. And yet he did disobeyed when it came to, uh, to striking and speaking to the rock. He didn't do what God told him to do. I think about Esau and the great blessings that he had, and yet he did not fully control his appetite, and he would miss out on the blessings that God had for him. Yet when we look at Jesus, in the last few hours of his life, he still demonstrated self-control to the very end, and we should certainly be impressed at the discipline that Jesus had. In Luke chapter 22 and verse number 48, I want you to think about this. Jesus would be betrayed by one of his own by one of the apostles. And yet even the way that Jesus responded to Judas, or by the way that he did not respond in, in a negative way, but kept his control and, and kept his emotions under check is powerful. In Luke 22 and verse number 48, the Bible says, but Jesus said to him, Judas, are you betraying the son of man with a kiss? When those who were around him saw what, he, what was going to happen, they said, Lord, shall we strike with the sword? And one of them struck the slave of the high priest and cut off his right ear. Peter was ready to fight. They were ready to go after it, and they lost that control. And yet Jesus said, no, this isn't the proper way to handle this. But Jesus answered in verse 51 and said, stop, no more of this. And he touched his ear and healed him. He had maintained control even after he was betrayed by his disciple, by his apostle, Judas. Think about chapter 22 and verse number 61. The Lord turned and looked at Peter. You guys know what happened before all this, right? What did Jesus tell Peter? He said, look, Simon, Simon, the devil has asked to sift you like wheat. The devil's coming after you, Simon. You're going to deny me three times. Simon said, no, I'm not. Jesus said, you are. And what we find in Luke chapter 22 and verse number 21, after Peter had denied him and the rooster crowed, the Lord turned and looked at Peter. Can you imagine being Peter at that moment? As Jesus is looking directly into your eyes, after you have denied him and lied about knowing him, the Lord turned and looked at Peter. And Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he had told him before a rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. We often think about the apostle Peter, but what about Jesus? Wouldn't that be painful to see that this disciple of yours, the one you invested so much time in only to deny you. And now this is Peter and Judas denying and betraying you. And the other disciples basically running away in fear. When things like that happen to us, when people hurt us, it can be very easy for us to lose control of our emotions. And yet Jesus, he didn't do it. He maintained control. And when you look at verse number 63 of the same chapter, the Bible says, now the men who were holding Jesus in custody were mocking him and beating him. And they blindfolded him and were asking him saying, prophesy, who is the one who hit you? And they were saying many other things against him, blaspheming. How dare them? Say anything like that to their creator, the one who was in the beginning with the father, 
And yet that's exactly what they did. They were ruthless, cruel, wicked. And when somebody begins to treat us like that, it can be very easy for us to lose our control over what we say and over what we even do. And yet what we find is that Jesus, time and time again, he never lost control. He never sinned. While he was tempted, he never sinned. What was his motivation? Well, it was to do the Father's will. It was to give glory to his Father in heaven. He was thinking about us. It was to save us, to complete his mission. And he said no to sin so that we could be delivered from our sins. He relied upon the strength of his Father. He remembered the words of the Scripture. And he lived a life of self-control. And as his disciples, we are to live lives of self-control. I want you to listen to what Jesus said in Luke chapter 9 and verse 23 and 24. Luke chapter 9 verses 23 and 24. I want you to notice what Jesus said here. As we think about following in the footsteps of Jesus, we need to live a life of self-control. Jesus makes that very clear in Luke chapter 9 verse number 23. And he was saying to them all, if anyone wishes to come after me, if you're going to be a disciple of Jesus, listen very carefully. Before you decide to become a Christian, really think about this and count the cost. Because this is not just one, you know, being emotional on a Sunday morning or Sunday night or seeing what your friends have done. And you say, all right, I want to do the same thing. Jesus said, there's going to be a cost. And you're going to have to, you're going to have to do something. And here's what you're going to have to do. He said, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake, he is the one who will save it. You're going to have to completely surrender to me. And you're going to have to allow me to lead you in your life. And you're going to have to lead a life of discipline and a life of self-control. Every day we have to deny ourselves. Every day we are in a battle. Every day we have to make a choice of whether or not we're going to continue to lead disciplined lives. It will not be easy. But with God, all things are possible. And therefore, we need to focus on controlling ourselves. Jesus demands so much. That he even tells us, listen, we're, on a, we're trying to make it to heaven here. And then and because of that, we're going to even have to take some drastic measures. Nothing can get in our way. Nothing can get in the way. And this is how drastic Jesus wants us to, to be and how serious he wants us to be as we conduct ourselves in this side of life. In Matthew chapter 5 and verse number 29, I want you to turn over to Matthew 5 and verse number 29. Jesus on the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 25, verse number 29 and verse number 30, Jesus said, if your right eye makes you stumble, tear it out and throw it from you. For it is better for you to lose one of the parts of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. If your right hand makes you stumble, cut it off and throw it from you. For it is better for you to lose one of the parts of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. Jesus said you're going to have to be disciplined. And if there are things in your life that are causing you to stumble or getting in your way of allowing me to be first, then you're going to have to eliminate those things no matter what the cost may be. Because heaven and hell are at stake. 
We are to pursue self-control like an athlete pursues gold. Hughes spoke about that in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Do you hear that? In 1 Corinthians chapter 9 this morning in the Bible reading, uh, before we began our services in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, as Paul was talking to the saints in Corinth, and I was telling Nikki, this is a passage for me. Paul was saying, listen, I got to make sure that I keep myself disciplined. Paul's going around and he's teaching and he's preaching, but he's also saying, I got to make sure that I'm practicing what I preach. He said in 1 Corinthians 9 and verse number 24, do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but only one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may win. Everyone who competes in the games exercises self-control in all things. An athlete's going to deny himself. They're not going to go out late at night. They're going to go to bed early. They're going to avoid the dessert, and they're going to do all those things that are necessary because they have one mission. They're trying to win that prize. They're trying to win that gold. And he said, everyone who competes in the games exercises self-control in all things. They then do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. Therefore, I run in such a way as not without aim. I box in such a way as not beating the air, but I discipline my body. There's the idea of self-control. I discipline my body and make it my slave. Think about that language. I'm going to keep my body under control. I discipline my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified. Paul was saying, just as I'm telling you, I got to do the same thing. And this is a passage for me as a, as a preacher of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's not enough for me just to get up here and tell you guys you got to practice self-control. i got to make sure that I'm practicing self-control as well in my life. All of us have to do this to the point that we make our bodies our slave. And if we don't, then we're going to be like a city without walls. We will be destroyed from the inside out, literally. Think about the things that you have seen or maybe the things you know about or just looking at different people's lives or maybe even your own life. How many lives have been destroyed by one's addiction to pornography? How many lives have been destroyed by one's addiction to spending credit cards or spending with credit cards and having just so much debt? How many lives have been destroyed due to overeating and laziness? How many lives have been destroyed by addiction to social media or even video games? How many lives have been destroyed due to drinking? How many churches have been destroyed because brethren lack control over their tongue and their anger? Self-control, my friends, is needed in every area of our life. And I don't think we even need someone to really tell us that we need to maybe sometimes have better self-control because we can see it for ourselves. We can identify there are some things that I need to get better at. I need to have better, more self-control. And the truth of the matter is when you look at the fruit of the spirit, the fruit of the spirit is, is, is beautiful and it's inviting and it's powerful. But have you thought about the, the, uh, the works of the flesh? They're ugly. They're nasty. They're disgusting. When you look at Galatians chapter five and verse number 19, And so many of these things deal with a lack of self-control. Now the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousies, outbursts of anger. There's a lack of self-control there. Disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these of which I forewarn you. 
just as I have forewarned you that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. That's what we're supposed to avoid. That's not going to give any glory to our Father in heaven, living and having those types of habits and qualities in our lives. And yet the devil is so good. And the fact that he can deceive us into thinking those things are the things you need to go after. Those are the things that really matter. Don't worry about self-control. Don't worry about discipline. Don't worry about saying no. Just do what you want to do. And yet God says no. Jesus says you must deny yourself because those things are destructive in nature. Jesus tells us we have to deny ourselves every day. And that means that we're going to have to live lives of self-control. We're going to have to be disciplined in all that we do. And while that may not be appealing to some in the world or maybe even many in the world, many people today just say, just do what you want to do. It doesn't matter what God says. If it it makes you feel good, if it makes you happy, if other people are doing it, just go ahead and do it. And yet God says, no, you must lead a life of self-control. And so as we wrap this up, I got to have self-control with how long I even preach. As we wrap this up, I want to give you some things that you need to know. Yeah, I got to have self-control here too, right? So here's some things I want you to remember as we think about self-control. Number one, know that Jesus understands. We're in a battle and Jesus lived this side of life and he was tempted as we read in Luke chapter four. We saw that. Look over in Hebrews chapter four. We have a great high priest in Jesus Christ who can sympathize with what we are going through. And he is the one that can say to us truly, I understand what you're going through in Hebrews chapter four and verses 16 through 18. I'm sorry, verses 14 through 16. The Bible says, therefore, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the son of God, let us hold fast our confession for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are yet without sin. Therefore, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. We have someone that truly understands what we're going through and we have someone that we can turn to and notice that the Hebrew writers making it very clear. We got to make sure that we're staying connected to him and turning to him because we are going to need his strength. We're going to need his grace and we're going to have to truly rely upon him. That's what we need to know as we think about living a life of self-control and discipline. Secondly, we need to know this, that have, living a life of self discipline is, is going to be challenging. He didn't necessarily say that this is going to be easy and that you're just going to figure everything out in just a one, tw- one sermon or 24 hours or whatever the case may be, but this is going to be challenging. We are to strive to enter the narrow door in Luke chapter 13 and verse number 24. The language there by Jesus is powerful. Luke 13 and verse number 24. He said, strive to enter through the narrow door for many, I tell you, will seek to enter and will not be able. As we go through this life and try to practice and live a life of self-control and discipline, it will be challenging at times. Some translations there say strive or make every effort or strive with earnestness or do your best. The word strive is the idea to struggle, to compete for a prize, to fight, to labor fervently. In fact, when you look at that word in the Greek, it, you can see the word agonize. And it's the idea that this is going to be challenging at times. And yet, if our goal is to truly be with the Lord, and that's what we're going to have to do. We're going to have to practice self-discipline, and at times it will be challenging, and yet it will be necessary. It will take strength, but our strength by ourselves is not going to be enough. It doesn't matter how strong we may be physically. 
But that's not going to be enough. We're going to have to truly rely upon the grace and knowledge of our Savior, Jesus Christ. God's grace is going to have to be our motivating factor as we seek to deny ourselves. And the more we appreciate the grace of God, the more we truly recognize the terrible nature of sin, I think self-control will become even easier in our lives. But we've got to recognize that it's not going to be always easy, that we are going to have to struggle and strive and fight and labor as we seek to lead lives a discipline. Number three, know that you can grow in self-control. It is possible to lead a life of self-control. I think sometimes we may say to ourselves, I can't do this. Well, yes, you can. But if you keep telling yourself you can't do it, guess what? You're not going to do it. We got to know that we can actually grow in self-control. In fact, that's what the Bible teaches. In 2 Peter chapter 1, as Peter was talking about these virtues, he said in verse number 5, Now for this very reason also, applying all diligence in your faith, supply moral excellence, and in your moral excellence, knowledge, and in your knowledge, self-control, and in your self-control, perseverance, and in your perseverance, godliness. Look at verse 8. For if these qualities are yours and are in increasing. They render you neither useless nor unfruitful in the true knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So he's helping us to see that indeed we can truly grow, we can increase, we can improve when it comes to self-control. It is possible for us to get better and to change, but again, we're going to have to rely upon God and his grace and his word. It is written. That's what Jesus kept saying as he was tempted by the devil. And we're going to have to continue to stay connected to the word of God. On Facebook, and I mentioned this last week, I have a a Facebook group called the No Complain Challenge. And we're up to 145 people. People are just coming in the group. I'm not even adding them. Somebody is. But we're up to 145 people. And the name of the game is Go 21 Days Without Complaining. 21 Straight Days Without Complaining. And it's one of the hardest things I've ever done. I confess. I'm being serious here. It is hard. Because you know what? I complain a lot. And so do a bunch of other people. But the fruit of the Spirit is self-control. That was not a complaint. That was a statement, okay? The fruit of the Spirit is self-control. And really think about this. We can control what we say. We can control what we do. And yet at times it can be really challenging. And what people are starting to see is that they need to improve in self-control and so do I. I think sometimes we think about self-control, we can just kind of think about certain things or certain actions. Maybe it's going to a certain place or alcohol or something like that. Yeah, we need to eliminate those things. But self-control should have an impact on every area of our lives, including what comes out of this mouth. And James talks about the power of the tongue. And that means that we also have to control what we say, how we say things, and why we're even saying things. And what people are starting to see is that they have this challenge and they need to improve, and that's exactly what has taken place. And the point I want you to see is that we can grow in self-control. Maybe we start to recognize some things that we need to improve upon. And when we do and truly start to appreciate the blessings that God has given us, having more gratitude in the blessings that God has provided for us, then that self-control is going to become easier and easier. But it is possible for people to improve. And so whatever area it may be, if it's complaining for you, 
You can change that. And it's going to require self-control. If you gossip, well, God doesn't want you to do that. And that means you're going to have to control your tongue. And it's something that all of us can do. If we lie, it's something that we can stop. It's something that we must stop. And it's going to require the proper mindset and staying connected to God and his word and truly understanding that we indeed can have self-control. And if that's going to happen, if we're going to be successful in this, then we got to set ourselves up for success. When it comes to having self-control, we got to set ourselves up for success. Jesus is making it clear we're in a battle. We saw that in our Bible class. We are in a spiritual battle. The devil wants us not to lead lives of self-control. He wants us to destroy our lives by a lack of self-control. So we need to recognize that we're in this battle. and We're going to have to truly trust what Jesus said. I want to go back to Matthew 5 real quickly here and verse number 29. Matthew chapter 5 and verse number 29. And I want you to remember what Jesus said here as he talks about uh, how we need to live our lives. He said, if your right eye makes you stumble, tear it out and throw it from you. For it is better for you to lose one of the, your, one of the parts of your body than for the whole body to be thrown into hell. If your right hand makes you stumble, cut it off and throw it from you. For it's better for you to lose one of the parts of your body than for the whole body to go into hell. We're trying to go to heaven. Are you trying to go to heaven? Then if there are certain things that are causing us to stumble, that are getting in the way of us of being who we need to be in Jesus Christ, Jesus said, you get rid of it. You eliminate it. And that will take self-control and that will take discipline. Brothers and sisters, if we're spending countless hours on social media and we can't seem to find the time to do our Bible class lesson or read the Bible or pray, there's a problem there. And it means that we need to practice more self-control when it comes to social media, even to the point of maybe just eliminating it. And we'll be just okay if we do that. When we think about our lives, if we cannot control the use of credit cards, we have to eliminate them. And we have to be honest and real with ourselves. I can't handle this, and therefore we just can't have them. If we can't control eating, and I'm going to say bluebell ice cream here, then we can't keep it in the house, all right? And you guys are laughing, but I'm being honest with you guys. There are certain things that get in the way that are hurting us. We've got to get rid of it. If cable, tele, tab, uh, cable television, Instagram, uh, the, the, the terrible shows that are on uh, cable today and uh, people who are barely clothed on social media and things like that, if those are becoming stumbling blocks for us, we've got to get rid of it. Just get rid of all of it because we're on a mission. Where are we trying to go? We're trying to get to heaven and nothing can get in our way. And somebody may say, well, that's a little bit extreme. Yes, it is. And Jesus said, you be extreme. If your right hand is causing you to stumble, what do you do? Cut it off. Don't play with it. Don't say, well, maybe just a little bit here and every now and then. No, he said, you got to eliminate it. And that's going to require discipline. That's what we're going to have to do. That's how we can be successful. But we got to truly trust what Jesus says. We got to have the control also to say yes and no. Self-control is not just saying no to everything. It's also saying yes to certain things. While we need to say no to alcohol and no to a variety of other things in the world or that the world may try to push upon us, we also need to be saying yes. Yes to the words of the Holy Spirit. Yes to more prayer. Yes to more Bible study. Yes to more worship to our Father in heaven. You know what that requires? Self-control. We gotta have the control to get up 
on time and get to worship where we know we're going to meet here every Sunday at 9.30, 10.30, and 5 o'clock. That requires self-control. It's not a surprise that we meet on the first day of the week. But what it's going to require is self-control for us to say, I'm going to get out of bed. I'm going to go there because this is something that I need to do that I must do. So self-control is not merely saying no, but it's also saying yes. Saying yes to what the Holy Spirit desires for us to do. Yes, I'm going to truly trust what you say in your word. Whether that's worship or whether that's our tongue, whatever the case may be, that's what we're going to have to do. It's more than just saying no, it's also saying yes. And then finally, and I heard someone say this quote, I just want you to think about this and we'll wrap this up. Self-control is freedom. Discipline is freedom. So many people are, are looking for so many things in their lives. And the Bible gives us the answers. Jesus has given us what we need. He's delivered us from the bondage of sin. He's delivered us from our, our, our wicked, uh, our sin, uh, from the sins that we committed. And what we need to understand is we think about living a life of self-control. That le- Living a life of self-control is not something bad. It's not something that we are to be, should be looked down upon. It's not something that we should be embarrassed about. It actually is going to give us great freedom. Because God always wants the best for his people. And his word, when we truly trust it and truly believe what he is saying in his word, we're going to have what it is that, that we want, this freedom. We're not going to be bondaged and shackled with whatever the case may be, whether it's debt or whether it's whatever you may want to say. God has told us how to live and that that's going to require discipline, and self-control in our lives. The fruit of the spirit is self-control and it is a game changer. When we demonstrate more self-control in our lives, people indeed will notice And it's not for us to to get glory or praise, but it's for God to receive the glory, honor, and praise. And this is something we're going to have to decide whether or not we're going to do every single day. Jesus says, take up your cross, deny yourself, come follow me. And that's the choice that we have to make. And if we're going to do that, then that means that we're going to have to practice discipline and self-control. We're going to be back here at 5 o'clock. I know some of us may be traveling and things like that, but it's going to take control on our part to say, I want to get up. I want to get ready. I'm going to be back here on time so we can worship God again. You see, and all we do, it's going to, it's going to require control and discipline on our part. And I'm so thankful that our Savior demonstrated control. He controlled his emotions and his life, and he lived, lived a sinless life to the point of dying on the cross where he said, it is finished. And I'm so thankful that he had the control that he had and the discipline because he died for me and he died for you and you need what he has. Salvation is found in Jesus Christ. And if you don't have that, you can have all the control in the world with your body and with your job and things like that, but you don't have salvation in Jesus Christ. You're missing everything. This is what he wants you to have, but it's going to come with a price. You're going to have to be willing to truly deny yourself and take up your cross. If you're ready to do that, we're ready to help you. We're ready to help you to understand what you need to do. And if you need to be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins, we have water right behind here, ready so that you can be saved. Jesus, he died for you and he died for me. Will you be willing to die for him and allow yourself to surrender to him and to follow him and deny yourself every day? That's the price. That's what he wants you to do. If you're subject to the invitation, come now as we stand and as we sing.